Welcome back to Thriving in Business and Life. This is Will Wilkinson. And this is Christopher Harding. We're going to pick up where we left off, Will. Last week we got into one of your favorite topics, the whole idea of vision and experiencing results now. We, we talked about the power of visualization and right. how athletes use it. We got into how a, a thriving leader really has to be able to inspire people with their vision. And we're going to get into that uh, a little bit more today, too, but how the genius of course correction. Mm -hmm. uh, we got into what is pendulation, which is an interesting concept. So if you happen to miss that as a listener, you may want to go back and pick up last week's uh, session as well. But this week, we're going to keep on going with this whole idea of experiencing results now. Well, I think it actually is a good idea for listeners to go back and, and, and hear last week's program before this one, if they missed it. Because for one thing, we defined vision in a number of ways beyond just seeing something. The, the term is a little limiting. Right, right. You know, and and it, it takes us to memories of vision statements, which again is limiting because those are usually just words. And as we've explained, we're talking about a, a multidimensional vision, really seeing something, uh, articulating it in words, and also feeling it. Yeah, and we, we, I think we've used the term multi-sensory before. Yes, right. You know, that it's when I'm imagining a vision of something that I want to accomplish. And we've talked about it works for short-term as well as long-term. Uh, I keep referring back to meetings because I used to have so many of them. <laughs> Remember John Cleese's film, Meetings, Bloody Meetings? <laughs> I didn't see that, but I understand the concept. <laughs> Don't see it. It would just bring the trauma back to you. <laughs> well, so many of them were critical. You know, They yeah. were like a pitch meeting for a studio yeah. or a network or a funding meeting where we were looking to get money for a project that we had lined up. And so I really wish I would have had this technology uh, those years ago because I can really see how, you know, imagining how I, I want the meeting to go as if it had already happened. And I'm right. looking back at it and going, right. oh, man, that was fantastic. Right. I love how this happened and yeah. how that happened. And getting the emotional state, you could say, the energetic state ready so that when I walk in the room, I'm walking in already with that level of confidence, uh, kind of like, it's going to be great to see how this unfolded. Well, and I think I remember we completed our show last week talking about that very thing and its impact on others. Yeah. How we engage yeah. others in our vision, which, of course, was your task during those pitch meetings. Right. Right. And so, you know, as we look at, uh, you know, this whole notion, uh, we're kind of following the, you could say, the course that we set up in our online course based on our book. And the next step in this process is choosing to feel a positive result now. So when you were coming up with that, because this is really kind of one of your strong areas, what was it that had you, say, choosing to feel a positive end result now? Well, it's difficult to remember the pathway, the journey of discovery, but I know one of the pivotal quotes that really guided me was kind of a humorous comment by Mark <laughs> Twain, who said, I'm an old man and many disaster whose whose life has been filled with many disasters, most of which never happened. <laughs> and I read that and I went, you know, we really do imagine the worst. <laughs> 
at times, and we're we're using our minds already to vision and kind of experience, you know, vicariously a disastrous outcome. And I thought, well, if we can do that already, why don't we just start imagining a positive outcome? That it is, you're saying that I'm just smiling because one of my longtime associates, he was really both a mentor and a right hand guy in one of the companies I led, had this expression of don't march down the parade of imaginary horribles. Oh, what a great term. <laughs> that could be on our wall. You know, it's just like the whole idea of marching down the, creating a whole yeah. parade, a whole event around something that hasn't even happened. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think I was sharing in our last program the, the whole idea. I think it was, you know, some very well known speaker and author who said that worrying is basically planning for a future you don't want. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I want to introduce a note of nuance here, and we'll, we'll unbundle this as we go along. Because at first glance, the idea of, you know, creating a vision, multi-sensory, dialing into the feeling that we want to have can sound a little bit high-flown and (laughs) really getting a fair distance away from reality. And I'd like to temper that with just a personal story. Yesterday I found myself in the uh, unenviable position of going to the dentist. Nobody likes to go to the dentist. And I needed to get my teeth cleaned. I'd avoided it as long as I could. And so I went, and it was pretty rigorous. Well, I'm experienced enough with this work to know that it made sense to create a vision before I went. Mm. So I'm driving to the dentist. It's a 15-minute drive, and I start imagining what I would like to feel, having been given a good uh, checkup, a clean bill of health, etc., etc., not too painful. And I kind of got in touch with the feeling I wanted. But as I did that... I became aware, my perception picked up kind of a little glitch, and I thought, you know, I've got this little tickle in my throat right now. It could act up during the procedure. I better make sure they have got a glass of water there for me. Sure enough, midway through the one hour in the chair, you know, the spray or whatever activated this little spot, and I started coughing, and there was the water, and it was no problem. So I'm making this point because... It isn't just one thing. You get in touch with how you feel. And by the way, driving home, I felt pretty much the way I'd hoped to feel, you know, very right, glad right. for what happened. But it also puts us in touch with other perception, which in this case was a very practical one. Well, and, and as we get into choosing to feel, you know, the end result now, you know, we're also, that's why we were talking about going back and listening, because we've talked about, you know, creating a vision, say it, see it, or sense it, and, you know, really feel it. But we also talked about accurately assessing the current situation. Right. And the whole notion of pendulation that we described last week was between going back and forth by really living in the feeling of that vision, but keep visiting the present moment to really assess what needs to happen yeah. in order for us to stay on the path and and yeah i agree i mean i think you know people could say that it that, that the idea is uh fanciful or whatever mm-hmm. and and it's actually not where that pendulation piece of keep coming back to reality yeah. to check in to see what needs to be adjusted and i think for me when i think choosing to feel a, a positive result now um 
you know, I can think of a variety of situations in business where had I focused on only on the reality of the current situation, <laughs> I would have become very discouraged right. and not followed a, a, a path of a project or an opportunity that I did follow because I had this vision and I kept imagining how great it was going to be. And, you know, even before I I had, you know, encountered this idea of looking back Mm. as if it had already happened, which just amplifies the power of it that much more, the vision was really uh, a compelling driving attractor for me in working through some challenging times where uh, I just remember a real quick when I was setting up a whole uh, national transportation trucking network. It had never been done quite this way before. And I was having a really tough week. I was in Philadelphia. It was close to Christmas. It was cold. I had uh, kind of like a you know, some kind of a viral infection because I'd been on the road too much. And sitting in my hotel room, you know, had I paid just attention to that, it would have been throw in the towel, quit, don't right. do it. Right. But I kept tuning into the possibility that I had envisioned, got myself home, enjoyed Christmas with my family, etc., and was still in this place of I know this can happen, and it eventually did. It became a very successful uh, uh, network of, of you know trucking and transportation that you know, pay dividends to everybody involved. So I know the power of vision. And if we if we are only focused on the current situation, a lot of times we'll, you know, kind of succumb to defeat. Well, you're articulating something really vital. And let's see if we can uh, detail this a little more. You're talking really about the key to effective leadership, which is to be a visionary without being oppressive about it. And that's the difference between a vision being uh, constellated in a thing versus a feeling. Mm, When the vision is constellated in a thing, we will tend to try and persuade other people to help us accomplish our thing, (laughs) right? It may or may not be their thing. When our vision is constellated in the feeling we hope to get from the thing, then we're a little more flexible about what that thing may turn out to be. And others will feel engaged in the discovery rather than commanded to go along with us towards whatever the form of our vision might be. That's a significant difference. Well, as you're saying that, I'm, I'm realizing that the way this thing turned out was very different than how I thought it was because I ended up having someone else in another part of the country who, when they heard me talking about what the vision was, they got very excited and brought in a whole bunch of their own people and support, and we created something together. And then it happened again and again because it was really around both the vision but the feeling and the excitement of doing something new that that in in some ways that energy just kind of lit people up. And this connects with uh, element seven in our our course for this module of uh, connecting the feeling of our compelling vision to daily actions. In in your case, in that story, the daily actions included your relationship with this person. Right, right. And this is a subtle distinction, but it's, it's significant. The daily actions are to move forward oriented in the feeling having a goal in mind, but paying close attention to what those daily actions bring. In this case, it was your relationship with this person and really being open to hear 
what they were suggesting, which altered your course. You know, uh, as you're saying this, is bringing back a whole other era of my life, but I, I'm remembering that it, that feeling, I kind of used it to guide how I wrote ads to recruit people. Um, you know, uh, it was it was the driving force be- behind me jumping on the phone and, you know, uh, calling, you know, person after person after person, looking for the right one who would respond. So when we got this thing up and going and suddenly had a multi-million dollar business enterprise that was just booming, what happened was it started to become more about the thing. The thing started to take over, and what what the result of that was that I got a call from somebody who'd heard about us, and rather than carefully going through it to make sure they were in alignment and that we resonated with the same vision and so on, you know, they had a promise of, of business coming through their their agency. So I signed them on. The only time I had ever signed somebody on without actually flying out, sitting mm-hmm. down, spending a couple of days with them, mm-hmm. they turned out to be uh, an expert at bank wire fraud. Yikes. And, you know, within several days, my assistant came in and said, I think you better put a hold on this person's bank wires. I have a bad feeling about this. Thankfully, she was in tune. Long story short, uh, they headed off on the on the run as soon as they found out. Turns out that they were number three on the FBI wanted list. They had escaped court during their previous hearing they were supposed to be sentenced to 20 years for bank fraud and gun running they were caught by the fbi at the mexican border (laughs) and i had to testify against them in court (laughs) (laughs) sounds like a movie all because i lost track of the difference between the feeling of the vision and saying true to that and getting wrapped up in the thing you're reminding me of a quote i encountered the other day and i forgot the exact wording but it was something like this. You learn more about a person's character, not from how they handle adversity, but from how they handle power. Hmm, interesting. I found that very, um, very captivating. And in your situation there, you know, I know you, you're not really wired to be a, a power hungry kind of guy. But I can imagine that given the success of the company, you were kind of cruising a little bit, right? Well, confident. I got overconfident. That's right? it. I started. That's it. I started ignoring my own rules, and later, in a different, whole different industry, different business. Some years later, uh, back to your point, uh, we had a great vision for this film and television and music entertainment company, and you know, we we had enough of us involved in the vision and the feeling to where we're all able to keep each other pretty well in check Mm -hmm. if somebody started to spin off there was Mm -hmm. somebody to go hey Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what are you doing and and that's that's important too because our ego can really kind of take over the vision and turn it into something that's not really what was attractive to everybody in the beginning and success will do that yeah success can be so intoxicating we get seduced and blinded to what others can see and may not feel comfortable suggesting when we're in our power. Right. Or, yeah, when we're inappropriately in our power. And if we're the boss. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that, is, that is something. I had some great mentors along the way, some who, who started off being heavy-handed, mm-hmm. and I learned in some ways what not to do. Mm-hmm. Um, others who were excellent and 
were so wonderfully inspirational because they always included everybody. They always treated people with, with grace and appreciation. And I just realized how that made me feel, talking yeah, about the right, feeling of a right. vision. You know, when we involve other people in even the creation of a vision so that it feels like their project too, yeah. their company too, their vision, um, that makes such a huge difference. Well, you and I were at a business meeting this morning, and we were reflecting on it just before we started recording how much fun it is to see the others we're in the meeting with getting engaged right, and, and contributing to the growth of the vision. We're not laying something on them. We make our suggestions, but so do they. Well, and what it's required for us, and I think for anybody, if you're going to collaborate, is uh, there's some stuff you're going to have to let go of because the thing is turning out to grow into something beyond what we had envisioned. I think in many ways cooler than what we had originally envisioned. Exactly. And this speaks to our theme of reframing results you know, through a thriving lens. I know you and I are both advocates of the lean approach to business where we build something we measure it, and then we learn from a client, customer response, etc. And this casts everything we do, no matter what the business, the product, the service, as a primarily a learning experience, so that the results, success, is reframed, well, how much did we learn from what we did to improve in the future even more? Yeah, as you're saying that, I'm thinking of other ways, too, that we reframe results. So, yeah, I mean, the the, the one that I guess maybe is uh, maybe not so obvious but could be obvious is that if I'm willing to learn from what didn't work, mm. it becomes part of the su- success story of how we made it mm-hmm. because we learned not to do that. Yeah. We talked about Edison, you know, uh, right. last time and – you know that he had a he'd figured out a thousand ways that it didn't work mm-hmm. you know and he was very successful at eliminating mm-hmm. what didn't work i think i think sometimes as we're going along um and we hit some bumps in in the road of our journey uh that's where that feeling piece for me mm-hmm. is becomes so important and why relationship with others who are on that journey with us becomes so important because I, I reflect back on all of the different projects that we did and I was listening to an album that we produced uh, you know some years back and watched a film the other day just for grins and as I was watching the movie I was also reflecting on all the people that I worked with and mm-hmm. all the fun we had mm-hmm. and how much we were there for each other. And the projects, in a way, became vehicles for yeah. relationship, vehicles yeah. to, to really enjoy the process with people. Yeah, well, everybody has their own take on why they're here, you know, what their personal purpose is. But increasingly, I'm finding more and more people are realizing something very fundamental, that we're really here to explore our humanness. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it sounds so basic, but to really experience more of what it, just what it means to be alive and you know we're in business we have families we go to restaurants we do all these things the one thing that's always there is we're we're a human being and more and more people that i know are beginning to apply that to everything they do and just say well how much deeper can i go right now in my experience of being a human doing this doing that doing the other thing yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great way to put it. Uh, you know, the experience of, of seeing what it's like to be truly human. And, and I think when we do, we also become 
more humane. Yes. Uh, a nice side effect, if you will. Well, you know, the, the, uh, the there's something I want to get into while we still have time, because to me, it's a really kind of a far out idea. Really? Uh, For us? <laughs> How unusual. <laughs> Dream, dreamed up by, uh, by many others, including Buckminster Fuller. And it's this whole thing, he called it the law of precession, not right. procession, Pre. but precession. Yeah. So something that happened before. Mm. So this has been an area that you got fascinated with some time ago. Mm. Um, how does, how does this land for you and what, what got you so intrigued? Well, I think the simplest way to introduce this is with an image of a boat, let's say a motorboat heading through the water, and we've all probably been on a boat going through the water. If we can remember looking back, you know, at the end of the boat, the boat is creating a wake, and out behind the boat there's waves going out on either side. Mm -hmm. Well, procession is heading towards a goal and leaving a wake with side effects because of where we've been and what we've done. And, and Buckminster Fuller's theory about this was that the results we get of achieving our goal are never as great as the results that are created by our wake laterally on the journey getting there. You know, that's, uh, boy, that's interesting on so many levels. Um, I, I, was, I was just thinking... Um, one of my Angelo's uh, quote, you know, uh, I may not remember what you said, but I'll always remember how you made me feel. Mm, I mean, that's beautiful, a, beautiful. Yeah, a, that's a perfect example. Yeah, uh, and so you know, how is it we make people feel? How what are the what's the feeling ripple effect you could say that we create? That's one thing, and then the other one. I mean, there's unintended consequences, some of which mm -hmm. are powerfully great, some mm -hmm. which might be challenging. And as I just think about that whole idea of ripple effect and the law of precession, you know, it, it has me start thinking more fully about what are going to be the ramifications of what I'm doing. Uh, you know, what are the, uh, you mm -hmm. know, the, the likely future consequences if I look around? Mm -hmm. And maybe I look deeper mm -hmm. as a result of realizing we're always creating a ripple effect. Well, I was just having a conversation with a friend, and we weren't talking about this, but something related. And she asked me what changes were happening for me that were making a big difference in my life. And I said, well, this will sound simplistic, but paying attention better. <laughs> and she did exactly that. She started laughing because she got it and realized how profound it is to pay attention because often we're fragmented. And I think what Bucky was getting at is that the more we appreciate the impact of the moment, the more we can create the kind of, I don't even like calling it side effect, but the influence that we would like. So in this case, relative to this, this individual, I said, well, embarrassingly, I have discovered that I had a program running in me at times where, unbeknownst to me, I had a sense of superiority relative to someone else. Mm. Never would feel comfortable admitting it at the time, but it was like, you are less than me. Now, I'm not going to just claim that as my own attitude because I know a lot of people have that. Say a boss might feel that way about his employee, a manager about somebody he's managing. But actually, that's not a creative attitude. 
Well, it's not a yeah. human. It's not a humane attitude. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's full of limitation. That's oh. that's for sure. And and you're right. I mean, I, I know we all do that. Uh, for for most of us, we probably aren't uh, glaringly aware. <laughs> Of it, and for other people, I know they are very aware of it, and mm-hmm. they believe it so strongly that they're comfortable feeling that way. Uh, you know, it might work for them, not for me to judge. It, it seems like it it limits their opportunities, yeah. at least from my perspective. Well, uh, I, I had a friend who once told me that before he would go into business with someone, he wanted to go out for lunch with them and see how they treated the waiter. Well, that's a great gauge, yeah, isn't it? Because it told him how they would treat others, and if they were dismissive of the waiter or waitress, if they were superior, uh, not connecting, he felt that told a lot about their character. Yeah. Well, and, and even what do you do when you don't get what you want, or when things yeah. don't work out? I mean, you know, uh, restaurant situations are full of of uh, you know moments where our ego gets challenged. Well, the great lesson there is don't complain about anything until you've already got your food. <laughs> And anyone who's worked in the kitchen knows what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's just, that's just it's good folk wisdom there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's classic. Well, you know, as we as we think about the law of precession, uh, you know, it sounds like there's an opportunity for people to, you know, and we can take this on ourselves, really start to pay attention in the coming mm-hmm. week and notice not only what's happening that's, in your direct line of sight or, mm-hmm. and connected to your vision or your goal or your pursuit. But what what is that wake? What are right. those ripple effects that are going out from the side of the boat, so to speak? Right. Who else is being impacted? In what way? Yeah, exactly. Because I think in our culture, especially for those of us who are uh, goal-oriented, we can kind of play leapfrog relative to what's directly in front of us. Right. We're kind of automatically sorting what's relevant and what isn't and finding ourselves dismissive of a lot of realities that just don't seem to contribute to where we're going. It's kind of like tunnel vision. Yeah, yeah. But if we really begin to pay attention, we're respectful of who we're with and what's going on, it will change our direction, especially combined with our compass, which is the feeling of the goal accomplished to which we're heading. You know, as you're saying that, I'm, I'm flashing back on a, on a seminar I attended some years back. Uh, the seminar uh, facilitator was a guy named Christopher Howard, a uh, really talented guy, uh, very bright, uh, able to convey a lot of concepts. But one of the things he was talking about when he was talking about being present and really addressing in his own way this law of precession, he said that for him... What he always does is he double-checks and he says, I ask myself, is it truly ecological? Mm. Now, a lot of people in the room who mm. were maybe more business-oriented and, and, you know, kind of that whole word made them shudder. He said, all right, just relax, everybody. Let me tell you what I mean. What I say by eco, you know, is it ecologically sound is, is it truly good for me, mm. you know, now and in the long run? Right. Is it good for my family and the people that I love? Huh. Is it good for my business and the people who are in it with me? Is it good for my customers? And mm-hmm. is it going to be something that they'll really value over time? And is it b- good for the the overall community? Is it having a positive impact 
in the world because if it is then i can go forward with confidence and and know that i i'm far more likely to be doing something where the ripple effects are great he said too often we charge off on a on a on a mission and we don't really stop to think about it and as a result we sacrifice our family yes. we do things that put our employees under undue duress uh, mm-hmm. you know there's a whole series of things i've done both of those things in pursuit of vision so i know you know the the truth of that painfully um but you know i thought that was such a great way to consider what is my ripple effect meanwhile apparently we're faced with an epidemic of loneliness i was just hearing this on uh, npr the other day that they're tracking the uh, rise of loneliness throughout the world and this is astounding wow. because we have more social media connection than ever Millions of people live together in cities. You'd think it would be going in the opposite direction. But I think it's because of this very issue we're talking about. People not paying attention to who they're with in the moment and not feeling like a we, but feeling like a me. So if listeners take away anything from this particular program, I hope it's an encouragement to feel a sense of kinship with others and that actually that one of the distinctions between surviving and thriving is that we tend to survive on the basis of every man or woman for themselves. We thrive together. Right. Yeah. Very well said. Hope you've enjoyed this program. If you have stories to share or would like to reach out to us, it's at thrivinginbusinessandlife at gmail.com. I'm Christopher Harding. And I'm Will Wilkinson. I hope you tune in again next week. <laughs>